Hi, welcome back to our study of Song of Songs, chapter 3, Discovering the Messiah. Let's pick it up in verse 6. What is this coming out of the wilderness, like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the scented powders of the merchant? What we're looking now is the triumphal entry. This is his last week. The multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? you got to see that in this triumphal entry, everybody's singing. Everybody's singing his praises. And it's such a, a noise that's coming down and into Jerusalem. And it's such a noise that all the people are saying, who is this? Because the leaders have been saying, this is not the Messiah. This is not the messenger. This is not the prophet. Well, then who is this? Because he's just turned Jerusalem right upside down. This is the day that everybody went to the temple to get a one-year-old lamb preparing for the Passover, which is going to happen on Thursday. And what is all this noise that's going on? They're just, they got to ask this question. And it looks like a, like, like columns of smoke is how it's described. Now, Joel chapter 2 verse 30 will help back this up to, for you to understand that it's apocalyptic language. It's symbolic language that we're seeing here, not to be taken literally. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. This columns of smoke is the same, and this only found in Joel and in Song of Solomon. So what is this columns of smoke? Columns is a very interesting word when you look it up in the back of the concordance. It means palm-like, coming from the base of the word palm tree. Interesting, because in John chapter 12, 13, they took the branches of the palm trees, went out to meet him, and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he. So, you know, it's like columns of smoke. You see all these people carrying these palm branches, and they're bringing them, they're lying, and their coats are lying in front of the Messiah as he's approaching. So that's an, an interesting word being used there. And then perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. This is going to be a little tricky. You have to hang in there. Perfumed has nothing to do with perfume. Perfumed is, is, is only translated here this way. Everywhere else it's translated offer up in smoke. Always seen as it's to make sacrifices smoke. It's what you add to the sacrifice to make it smoke, to give it an, an aroma, okay? Perfumed means to enhance the smoke. What's enhancing this parade of people that is coming? It's the sound of the praise. It's all the people singing the praise. And Jesus, well, he's coming to give himself as a sacrifice. So this is a sacrificial procession perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. Myrrh, we need to understand, is the teachings of Christ, specifically his forgiveness. In Song Solomon's 1.4, they say, we will extol your love. His love was his teachings, specifically the forgiveness. We'll tell everybody about what you share with us. To see that it's the myrrh, you need to go to chapter 5, verse 5. She's gone back to bed, and he's out working, and he knocks, and she gets up, and her hands are dripping with myrrh, this very expensive perfume. That doesn't make sense in reality, but it does make sense spiritually, because if you understand myrrh to be the teachings of Christ, 
what we're finding is the Christian is now gone back to bed thinking God is here to serve me, not me to, to work with him. And she's got all these blessings to herself. She's wasting them. It's kind of like the, the guy that took his talent and buried it under a rock. We're wasting our blessings because he's calling her to come out. And when she opens the door, he's gone. So she goes, because he wants us to get out and to share those blessings. And then she describes him in verse 13 of that same chapter. His lips are lilies. From chapter 2, verse 1, we understand she's a lily. The Christians are, he calls lilies. Dripping with myrrh. We need to share the word and the teachings of Christ with other people. And that's his lips. Our job is to share the truth. And that's what we need to see. So it's this parade that's coming in is enhanced with all these people talking about his teachings. And then the frankincense is answered prayer. Frankincense is always added to sacrifices. You need to understand the people in that time are praying to God to get a healing. There's people with leprosy, there's people with broken bones, there's people that are blind, all kinds. And Jesus is healing everybody. And if they've heard of Jesus, they're talking to God saying, God, can I run into this guy? I want this healing. And in chapter 4, verse 23, speaking of his ministry, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel. There's the myrrh. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. There's the frankincense. Perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. And then, one more to help us out is chapter 4, verse 6. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. The mount, and he's talking about going to heaven because in, in chapter 4 he's, we're, we, we see the ascension. The mountain of myrrh is the teachings and the hill of frankincense is the miracles and it's the teachings that are greater than the miracles. In 13, 8 to 10 of 1 Corinthians, love never fails, but if there's gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will see. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. What's that? That's all the miracles. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. What's the perfect? It's the teachings. It's the word of God. We don't need the miracles. The miracles help bring people, confirm these teachings. So you're, it's scented with the, it's perfumed with the myrrh and frankincense. And this one's kind of weird with all the scented powders of the merchant. If you look this word up, it simply translates dust. So to make it look good, they, they add the word scented. Well, if you think about it, scented dust would be what? Cheap, fake. They're just adding a little aroma to all this dust and then they're selling it as a, as a, as a powder, right? Myrrh and frankincense, they're the real deal is what they are. This scented powder, it's cheap. And it's the powders of the merchant. Who's the merchant? Well, look his word, his name up and it's trader, uh, a traveling trader, or as we would know today, traveling salesman. You know, the doorbell rings and you go to answer and they're trying to sell you something. You're not too excited because you're not interested, right? Who's the merchant? Who's the traveling salesman? It's the high priest. He's the one that's cheapened worship. This is what Jesus came to replace. I mean, when he cleared the temple in John chapter 2, verse 16, he says unto those that sold the doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. 
Who controls the house? It's the high priest. He's the merchant. And he's turned it into a house of merchandise. Or better yet, the, the true Greek word there is emporium. You're just here to make money. So you've got the people believing and praising Christ coming in this parade. But you also have the fake ones. Those guys of the high priest. And in Luke 19, they say to Jesus, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. So it's kind of interesting that even those guys are there in this parade. Behold, it is the traveling couch of Solomon. In Matthew 21.5, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So that's what we see him riding in on, is on the colt of, of the donkey. And this is a little bit off topic, but there's the two of them. Because when they go get the colt, they also get the donkey. They bring both, they put coats on both, and Jesus sits on the colt. And I kind of wrote down, you know, the colt was for Jesus. Is, is the donkey for you? Because Jesus promised to help us get through this life. You can see Jesus in the New Testament, definitely. But can you see him in the Old Testament? You work on the symbolism there. Behold, it is the couch of Solomon. It is the couch of peace. Dynamic, not static. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. He's coming to secure our forgiveness on the cross. He's coming to die on our behalf. It is the couch of peace. This is the triumphal entry. And what's he got with him? Sixty men all around it of the mighty men of Israel. David had 30 mighty men. Jesus, he's got 60. Don't take it literally. If you thought the Old Testament was comforting, the New Testament is double that. Men of Israel, Israel is he who wrestles with God. Philippians 3.3, 3, we are the true circumcision. We are the true Israel. All of them, wielders of the sword. Well, wielders is not a good translation. All it says is they have a grasp. They have a handle. doesn't say they're great, but they have a handle on the sword. The sword is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Jesus has taught them, and they've got a handle on the, the Word of God. They're not expert in war. Each man has his own sword at his side. Look this one up. Experts means trained in battle. Yes, these guys are trained in battle. They've been with Jesus for three years. Jesus has his disciples well trained so he can now finish what he has come to do, die on the cross. But he's trained them in the Word of God. They're not perfect in the Word of God. There's a lot of mistakes they're going to make. There's a lot of things that they still need to do and learn. But he's brought them to a point where now he's going to leave the ministry in their hands so he can die upon the cross. Guarding against the terrors of the night. Terror is a little bit over, overboard. It's the dread. Night is darkness. It's the dread of the darkness. It's the dread of the lies in the world out there. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the government, against the powers, the media, against the world forces of this darkness, academia, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, false teachers. That's the darkness we're against. It's not all the government. It's just that part of the government that enforces stuff that makes us disobey God's word, such as uh, free abortion. 
It's not against all the media, but those that promote fornication and immorality with their TV shows. That's what we're against. And not against academia, but those that keep teaching that the world's a billion years old and, and putting God down. Well, that's what we're up against. We're up against the lies that they continue to push. And the spiritual forces of wickedness, the false teachers within the churches who are watering down the word of God. That's what we need to guard against. And these guys are pre prepared to do that. Behold, it is the couch of peace. Sixty men around it of the mighty men of those who do wrestle with God. All of them have a handle on the sword. Trained in battle, each has his sword at his side against the dread of the darkness. So in, the, in this section here, we're looking at the triumphal entry. The people are ready because they're singing his praises. The disciples are ready. They're trained in the word. Now the Messiah is ready to go and die for our sins. And that's how we're going to see the chapter end. Come back and pick it up. Thank you.